0: Everybody, how's it going? <laughs> Welcome to JU Israel, uh, Jerusalem News podcast called The Teacher's Lounge. Boy, I really messed the order What's... up on that one. I don't know what that was. I am your host, Michael Sunday Morning, Friedberg, here as always with co host Alan Goldman. And this week we are graced once again with fellow teacher Matt Littman. How's it going, Matt?
1: Woohoo! I am delighted to be here again.
0: Yes, because this is a very special episode of Blossom. I mean, a very special episode. Blossom. Blossom. Full house. Yeah, (laughs) a very special episode of Give Me a Break. (laughs) Those are old references. Uh, Do you remember they used to say that on commercials, on TV shows? No?
2: Maybe. Okay. (laughs) Well, at least I thought I was
0: funny. Uh, Today's episode is in honor of the upcoming 100th anniversary of the Balfour Declaration, the first time a major world power has granted the Jewish people the right to return to their homeland since Cyrus did it in the 6th century BCE.
2: That's a pretty long time ago. That was a
0: long run.
2: <laughs> yeah, a really long run. <laughs> that was a
0: long run. So it is, I think, uh, for that reason alone worthy of note. It is also something that is going to be uh, talked about and noticed in... Nerdy academic circles, but also.
2: Not only, but, the, but Not only. I think it's going to be. No, the Israeli government's taking a big deal of it, and so does Britain. They're doing all kinds of stuff.
0: Palestinian authorities making a big deal of it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it is certainly worthy of our discussion, and if you're planning to think about it on November 2nd or talk about it in school perhaps on November 2nd, we thought we'd give a little context, a little analysis, a little background, you know, the kind of stuff we do here at the Teachers Lounge.
2: And we're doing something different for a change. We are doing it way in advance. We are like a week. <laughs> well, <laughs> or we ten figured, days. We figured <laughs> that's like hugely bad. Yeah. First. Well,
0: we figured that students who listen to it, we usually try to get as close as we can to the date because that's when you think about it. But if <laughs> a teacher wants to get a little background beforehand, we figured we'd release a little bit early. Uh, Leor is going to put it on the media lab, so that was really Leor's request. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Longtime listeners know Leor. And yes. understand why we listen to her when she
2: says pretty much anything. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Alan, what would you like, Mike? Some context. What is the Balfour Declaration?
0: <laughs> so, Balfour Before Declaration. Before we get the
2: context. Oh, so the Balfour Declaration was a uh, declaration from Lord was Balfour. It, by Balfour? <laughs> it was by Balfour, Lord Balfour, in fact, who was the Foreign Minister of the United Kingdom in 1917, and on November 2nd he. I guess stood in front of Parliament, I suppose, uh, um, Matt being our resident British guy, um, and uh, gave a very, very short, brief statement recognizing um, the Jewish connection to their, uh, to their ancient homeland and that uh, the United, K- or Britain, United Kingdom would help facilitate, foster some kind of national Renaissance home. We always read it in the
0: form of the letter he sent to uh, Lord Rothschild, announcing right. that Britain was taking on this policy.
2: Right, and why was it? Why was it uh, addressed to Lord Rothschild?
1: Why? Anybody know? Prominent Jew.
2: Prominent Jew. A guy with uh, right. Prominent high Jew. There was high, high friends
1: in high places. Right,
2: and there was no because there was also no. I mean, see, real, you know, to. yeah, representative body. You had the World Zionist Congress, I guess you had, you know, those people were meeting. Um, World Congress, but it wasn't really, didn't really become a, until a decade later where you'd see a real representative body in the Jewish All agency. All the Jewish
0: diplomats working on this were representing a state which didn't exist and they were trying to bring into being.
2: And recognizing a group of people who said, we just want to do this. Right.
1: It's also interesting mm-hmm. they didn't send it to any of the religious figures. Of the of the British Jewish community at the time,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, it yeah.
0: represents Jews as a nationality, not Judaism as a religion. Exactly, so that which makes is a lot of sense. Which
1: is an interesting thing to think about,
2: yeah. Yeah. right? And there were Brits who were very nervous about it. They were oh, thought a lot that of that, that were, Jews
0: were against it, and a lot of European non-Jews were against it. Thought it was yeah. a dumb idea,
2: and they and we would have threatened their they would threaten them with supposed dual loyalty. The jews. Um, yeah the jews um but anyway so let's let's step back a second let's talk about the context of how it came about and what's happening in 1917 and all of a sudden you know this letter gets sent to lord balfour the lord rothschild and i mean you can pretty much sum up
0: the context obviously we'll take a little more laying out but it's basically it's because it's world war one right they're trying to bring about victory in world war one
2: uh, let's re- just let's remind who's who's fighting in world one who's on what sides?
0: Well, you have the British, the French, the Americans have come they, in. Yeah. The Russians
2: are still in, still but teetering. In. they're
0: facing all sorts of internal difficulties, which is going to ultimately overwhelm right. them not in the far future. Right. Tsarist uh, Russia is going to fall to a revolution. On the other side, you have yeah, German, yeah. Germany, Austria Hungary, and the Turks, the yeah. Ottoman Empire.
2: Yeah. And who's controlling Eretz Israel? The the Ottoman Turks. Ottoman Turks are controlling Palestine. They've been controlling it since 1500s. They had a good run. Yeah, they had a really good run. One of the longest runs of any uh, of
1: any nation
0: that held Palestine, Israel.
2: Maybe the longest.
0: Maybe. Well, depends
1: on how you define
2: the Romans, right?
1: Right, and the Romans is not something anybody remembered. Right. (laughs) Uh,
2: um, If Brian does, it's a lot. Yeah,
1: I don't think anybody remembered the Byzantines either. (laughs) <laughs>
0: well, if you count them as Roman, then the Romans really have a run.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like a thousand years. Yeah, yeah that's not bad. No, all right. So um, God willing long by, God willing by why, us why, also.
0: But why? Yeah, but why? Yeah, did you just wish us a thousand year right? That because that's creepy.
2: <laughs> a thousand year run. Oh, I think we said good. that's better.
0: <laughs> um, well, why? Why would promising in the middle of World War One the Jews, who are a powerless people, that they could have a homeland in Palestine? And England would help them do their best endeavor to help them establish a Jewish national home in Palestine. Why, why would that help them win World War One? Conceivably, how could that possibly help them?
2: So there are a, lot, a couple, a, a bunch of different stories, narratives, myths that sort of converge together um, that uh, really encourage the British to make this declaration, um, one one being certainly the position of World War One was not yet won. <laughs> right, we, kind of, we kind of look at history and often think, oh, well, they, they're going to win, so we know they're going to win. But they don't know that then, and they have not yet actually conquered uh, Palestine. They're on the brink of conquering Palestine. So there's a bunch of different stories that kind of converge. First of all, the Jews of Palestine um, – were f- pretty favorable towards the British at this and point. The Zionist had,
0: movement had real a real quandary at yeah, yeah. the beginning of World War One. There those who said we have to support the Turks because Palestine's yeah. under Turkey. There were those who said we have to stay neutral because we can't take off right. either side. And then some said we should pick the Brits. The best decision in any of those scenarios is pick the winner.
2: Right. Absolutely. And they eventually did because the Turks actually threw out a lot of Jews like well, ben Gorian yeah. and Jabotinsky and those guys because well, they were the Russian.
0: turned on the Zionist yeah. movement. And so –
2: Because they, they saw them as Russians, yeah. not Jews, and they threw them out and then that really put it in that. So then you Zionists had, then the, then the, you had the Aronson group, the Neely group, Aronson group in, in Zivron who were spying for the British and giving them information. Um, so that was in. An, and and you, had,
0: you had Chaim Weizmann, who, when Ben Gurion made Aliyah in 1904,
2: right. moved to England. Right, Rio. Right, he made his move to England, but and his move to England, was started angri-fi. all all started politicking for the Zionist movement, and also became a uh, critical scientist for the for the British um, for the British military, having uh, come up with some kind of uh, um, acetane concoction to use for bombs. Yeah, it was a
0: process to make acetine,
2: acetone. Mm, acetone, acetone, I think Faster, right.
0: that helped them make TNT, which yeah. they could use in the war effort. Exactly.
2: So, uh, so Weitzman was like a, this, uh, you know, social, political uh, Zionist who was also very um, well-liked in the British diplomacy. Um, okay, can I do a weird say- moment?
0: Sure. Chaim Weitzman helping the British make bombs for World War One plays a major role in, in the war and in its subsequent, and the subsequent fallout of World War one. Einstein develops a theory which uh, which lays out, also a Jewish scientist, right. lays out the theory which becomes the yeah. fundamental underpinnings of the atomic, atomic bomb, bomb right. and a bunch of Jewish scientists, predominantly more Jewish scientists than not Jewish scientists, work on creating that bomb. Yeah. That's no, just a weird trivia thing uh, But you, for, you,
2: you forgot you left out the thing with Einstein. I mean, Germany. He's in Germany while he's doing
0: that. No, he you comes – well, no, and, not when he – And they leave. He, right, he leaves Germany yeah. in the 30s and he comes to the United States and he sends the letter to FDR with uh, with Leo Zillard to, to push for the Manhattan Project. They don't yeah. have a name. But he says this could lead to a weapon of enormous destructive power, and yeah. we have to have it before the Germans. Not realizing that the Germans were never going to come close,
2: right? But he, and I mean, okay. So now let's go back to, uh, World, yeah. War I and, to <laughs> World War One, and we've skipped to World War Two. Let's go back to World War One, exactly. Um, and then I, I just find that
0: creepy that Jews are so involved in that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then we find then we my brother in laws actually my brother in law's uh, father uh, refused to work on the bomb and left. Hmm. Um, he was a physicist and left refused, where? the uh, left uh, defense department I think, and ended up over NASA instead. Wow. Um, yeah, and made I mean, a really
1: high tech weapon before? like a James Bond movie
2: or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, during the war or after the war?
2: No, and uh, I think it was in the fifties maybe. Yeah, so 50s. that was the,
0: the thermonuclear bomb.
2: Yeah. Mm. Okay, so then, um, uh, then we also have the the talk of Jewish influence, that the Brits. Um, felt that the the Jews were very influential in very in very important countries of their allies. That's
0: usually listed as a major factor, and you know, in addition to Protestant Brits thinking it's kind of romantic for the idea for there to be a Jewish Renaissance, for the Jews to right. return to the homeland, that that's cool historically and culturally. Right. So
2: and by, by the way, don't forget the Brits were the the big archaeologists in nineteenth century in Israel um, in, in um, Palestine. Uh, yeah, but they're right, they were certainly leading Warren Robinson, yeah. like all those mm-hmm. places where mm-hmm. we go visit the cartel exactly. today. You see, there, there certainly
0: they, they in Jerusalem. They have the yeah. lion's share of the yeah. discoveries. No, this is this is the age where
2: So you have like Philo, you know, uh, you know, these guys who love the Jews. Philo Semites. Philo Semites, right, and they love the Jews. But then you also have those who think that the Jews have a lot of power, especially in America. Well you can't really walk in Russia the
0: British Foreign Ministry and say, Wouldn't it be cool if the Jews got their nation state back? Like I don't I can't imagine that weighed I'm sure that weighed personally, psychologically, on minis- particular ministers like Balfour? But I can't imagine, and Churchill. Yeah, but I can't imagine that that really. He was in a weird political place then. Yeah, I think he had already lost his seat, yeah. head of the Admiralty, the head of the Navy. Yeah. Anyway, but it, it is weird that you can't. I mean, you can't bring that into the conversation. So there does seem to have been this idea that if we do this favor for the Jews, the Jews will help us and there's this fear even that the Germans are going to make a similar promise to the Jews and we have to make sure the Jews end up on our side and the, if we make uh, the promise Jews to
2: particularly in America and Russia
0: well the Jews in America will keep the Americans tough in the war and the Jews in Russia will keep the tsar in the war
2: bizarre isn't it
0: it's such a weird argument since since
2: made. even the Jews in America had almost no power at that time they no were immigrants. they were immigrant or uh, you know community you have established
1: and, Jews you, have, you know
2: yeah so you have Brandeis and you have uh, you know a you couple have, others right. but
1: so where did this come from? Where did this idea of this Jewish influence in Tsarist Russia and United in Tsarist States Tsarist Russia? Yeah, where did it come from? Somebody somewhere in the British Foreign Office must have said, ah, these Jews well, have a lot of influence well, you, in these other you're countries. You're
2: forgetting the the Protocols of the Elders of Zion come from Russia. People actually believe that. They really believe it.
0: I think I think at that point, I mean, it's been debunked enough by World War One that yeah, people but, know that the protocols are fake, right. but they still kind of think it's true, that there's a weird... Everybody's a little bit racist. And even people who are phylo kind of have this feeling that Jews control the world in in, world, in 1970.
2: In other words, you have that, you know, cliché. Where there's smoke, there's fire. In other words, and we know the elders of Zion is made up, but it's talking true, true. about there like a be, real truth. It, it
1: must have come from somewhere. So, therefore, let's... Tried to influence and, manip- and manipulate the Jews to help us to stay.
2: Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, normal. British
0: Arab Arabists in the British government are saying, are you out of your mind? <laughs> You're going to kick <laughs> off the Arabs and they control the Middle East and you don't want to lose. And there are millions of them. The <laughs> and there are
2: millions of them. And there's like 10 Jews. In the yeah. Right. You know. You know
0: um, Which but is a fairly reasonable counter argument. Yeah. to The Balfour Declaration made by some people who were, by the way, some of them and some of those people were genuinely anti-Semitic. It's very hard to separate the psychological philo-Semites and anti-Semites from their policy argument over whether helping the Jews or or helping the Arabs would be more politically valuable.
1: Especially as they fundamentally, even if one is pro-Jewish and the other one is is anti-Jewish. It has the same impact a on what they think that the Jews have this undue influence over yeah. the rest of the world, which is a crazy thing because one's coming in from one side, one's coming in from the other side, but ultimately they're all scared of the Jewish influence and therefore they all out.
0: believe this myth of Jewish power. And there's also there's also a a really weird um, there's a really weird factor which is that so many Jews in Europe were against the Balfour Declaration. They're against Zionism. Yeah. So British saying we're going to help the Zionists, there are Jews saying, Oh no, please don't do that. We're going to get accused of dual loyalty.
2: So is it fair to sum up what we we're just talking about in like sort of two ways? First of all, what's going on here is some like real politics with lots of different factors coming in. Yeah. On the one hand. And on the other hand, all of a sudden, what is the real big novel novelty here is that the British And by the way, not only the British, because the British, within the context of the Allies, and we can talk about that in a second maybe, but they're actually starting to relate to the Jews as a nation because they're paying politics with them as a nation. Um, political
0: science isn't really a science in the sense that you can check things in a laboratory. Perception becomes reality. And what what Herzl did in 1897 by creating a World Zionist Congress, by the Zionist movement gaining political points, it's making it more and more and more real. The Balfour right. Declaration is essentially the achievement of the goal that Herzl set for the movement. We want world powers to recognize our right to, as a nation to return to our homeland.
2: Oh, and life. I think that that's the, that is the, definitely one of the key factors here, is that that recognition as a nation, and as we've said many times, therefore nations get self-determination in their homeland. Right. Ethno-national and, groups uh, should have self-determination. I also just want to return yeah. to something
1: that Mike said a minute ago about political science not being a real science, because with a real science you can have a thesis and then test it and see what's going to happen. When you try to form alliances or when you try to say, ah, if we help group X, then Y is going to happen, nobody really knows. That's why we have wars and that's why we have different situations like that, because people don't know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's actual diplomacy and policy and strategy. That's not even political science. So that's the people implementing it in right. real time are, are working out of... We look back at them in history and go, well, they had the factors to make the decision, when in real time they have many fewer factors than we do. Right. Churchill knew less about what's going on than than a historian of the period in real time.
2: So, the, so that is what is the significance of the Balfour? To uh, their lasting
0: time. significance?
2: Oh yeah, or even in its time. What was so significant about Balfour in its time that Jews throughout the world went whoa?
0: Well, for the Jews, there's this sense of accomplishment. We've crossed some. We've crossed a level in terms of. The coalescing of a political idea into the beginning of a real, practical existence. When you have, I mean, Britain didn't make this declaration in a vacuum. They had to get consensus from all allied nations on their side of the of the war. So they had to get consensus from the French, from the United States, uh, from Italians. I don't know why they had to get it from the Italians per se, but they did. The Italians are part of the allies. Yeah. But they had, but they checked. I, I don't think the Italians had a stake in the international consequences of the war in the same way. But they did.
2: Well, they're on the Mediterranean. They're yeah,
0: they got even the Pope chimed in. Amazingly, yeah, yeah. the a the pre, uh, uh, previous Pope. I don't know how many Popes are between. A uh, previous Pope had told Herzl. Herzl, towards the end of his trying to find world leaders, actually went to the Pope, even though at that point already the Pope had lost temporal political power. And the Pope said, "What do you mean? We can't recognize the Jewish." The doctrine, the witness doctrine claims that the Jews are dispersed because they didn't accept who we consider our Lord, and therefore, how can we accept Jewish temporal power? And yet,
2: the next pope, or what, the pope that White, uh, Sokolov. Sokolov goes to, yeah, said, Sokolov. Sokolov.
0: Sokolov. great, that's terrific. Oh, that would be wonderful. And you know,
2: no, uh, it's just God's will. I mean, I believe yeah, it's, wow, it's just if God's, God's God's will.
0: Bring the Jews back, that would be terrific. We'll totally support it. So they got it all in Italy, yeah. but. At the Pope,
1: man. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. He's a good supporter to have on your team, huh?
0: Never hurts, I guess. I
1: don't know. I don't know.
0: I just think that's historically yeah, yeah.
2: cool. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, so, so there's certainly the significance for the Jewish people was it. There, there had been accomplishments of Zionism before. The major accomplishments of Zionism up till. Balfour. we're really building. We're first of all getting it to, like bu- building the building the mass movement in and of itself. That Jews were actually many many uh, Jews were on board. To actually building things like agricultural settlements, cities like Tel Aviv, uh, infrastructure, right? They start building infrastructure even.
0: Well, that's the, that, and the then, project of the practical Zionists was, let's get into Palestine and start okay. building things. The project of the political Zionists, let's get, let's get world powers to to give their blessing to our endeavor to create a national home. That's and an
1: interesting discussion because one of the articles I was reading about this was the – kind of put almost like a a division between Ben-Gurion and between Weizmann. Weizmann got his crowning achievement was to get the Balfour Declaration. And once that happened, his influence waned. And it was then for Ben-Gurion to step in and come in and to continue to build uh, practical Jews on the ground, tactless in Israel.
0: Yeah, they yeah. they never really saw eye to eye, and the, the no, gap they, between them politically grew and grew. Okay. No,
2: but they work together. They certainly work together to to exclude the job between, you know, the Revisionists and uh, and others. Absolutely, um, you but know. the
0: Great Camp always saw Weizmann as unrealistic and overly idealistic. No, and
2: they're also the 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 power the power in the relationship is certainly with the Labor Zionists, yeah. and because they're building the infrastructure, so it makes sense that they will have the power because they're also giving the jobs. To the people on the ground, but, but I so. think Ben
0: Gurion saw Weizmann's pacifism as impractical.
2: Yeah, yeah, probably. But the politics continues, and you know? we can't say that yeah. there are no, you know, there's still political no, moves it. to be made. No, but if after you study that.
0: The, if you study the relationship, Ben Gurion and his team are increasingly, as the years go on, uh, mollifying Weizmann. Keeping him happy as they ignore it more. Yeah, more.
2: because Ben Gurion is We're here doing that right. to everybody. I well, mean, not only mollifying but taking over. over you know, as the Israeli phrase. are on the
1: ground.
0: Backs you can't ground. sit out there and tell me what the reality is. I'm in the reality. Right. I'll decide.
1: For our regular listeners, you have had a few. For our regular listeners, you would have heard a few uh, weeks ago. We had a discussion about how much of the world's opinion Ben Gurion was influenced by, and how much he thought it was important, and whether he just ignored it. And again, this this kind of discussion comes up again here between Ben Gurion saying, you know what, let's just get people on, like, on the ground, let's get the facts on the ground. As so you say, Mike, and White's been caring more about what the outside world said and what their thoughts were about you, having a state and things like that. So right, it's, again, and bo-
0: and uh, both of them, on their points in the spectrum, thought that Jabotinsky wasn't paying enough attention to what the world said. Right. And thought that he was too, uh, y- y- you know the Jews have to drive themselves and ignore every other factor.
2: So then like what was what is the political significance in the time of Balfour and then
0: well when you have all the major world powers who are going to win the war and the winners are going to determine policy and then after the war you can have the League of Nations ratifying not only that that Britain as the mandate over Palestine should actually help the Jews set up their national home but by establishing by recognizing that the Jewish endeavor to build a national home in Palestine is a legitimate political cause for an actual ethno national group called Jews, you have the Western world's acknowledgement. And by the League of Nations, you know, really the world itself and it's some form of democratic representation taking this on.
2: Meaning, four, four or five years later, when the League of Nations finally votes on the mandate for Palestine for the British, and I'm not going to go into all the politics against that, but when they do vote for that, the the Introduction to the mandate document for the mandate for Palestine how it's going to work is the Balfour Declaration. Yeah, it although worded
0: even more strongly, uh, it, it's still it's funny because the anti-declaration people in the British Parliament got the word "state" taken out of the Balfour Declaration. It says "Jewish national home," and it says "in Palestine" as opposed to "of Palestine."
2: So, let's talk for a moment. What's the significance of that? Well,
0: that was that was, those were two concessions that Balfour made. that, that if it had said "state." Then it's clearly talking about Jewish independence and self-rule, which switching it to Jewish national home meant maybe the British will stay in charge, maybe an Arab group will stay in charge.
2: So, um, so there's certain ambiguity in the in the Balfour Declaration, but it's on, intentional, on purpose. It's totally intentional, right. on
0: purpose. It's going to give the bit of, the British wiggle room over the following decades to back off with white paper after white paper, reducing the so, implications of the white paper. And in Palestine, of course, instead of of Palestine means we're not talking about the whole territory. Churchill's going to draw a line at the Jordan and and forbid Jewish land purchase east of the Jordan River. So
2: when Balfour is made, what are they talking about in terms of land? They're
0: talking about what we today call Israel and Jordan.
2: That's how the Jews took it. That's how the Jews took it. But is the declaration itself? It 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 doesn't. Or are there any other documents that talk about borders? Well, you're alluding to the Hussein
0: McMahon letter that that there was a promise made to a prominent Arab leader that the Middle East, the entire region, region of the Middle East, would become independent Arab nation states. And yeah. and it's the British, it's during this same time that the British are creating Arab national aspirations, which simply don't exist before World War One. World War One comes to a close. The British have now promised the Jews that, that that for decades have been work the Zionists, were for decades been working on this Jewish national renaissance. But they've also built this new contingent, which is the Arab, Middle East, and North Africa, telling them, you guys should also have self-determination independence. So
2: there's a lot of mm, ambiguity, lack of clarity, and double promising going on in well, the That's period. what happens
0: during a war in diplomacy. Like <clears throat> you're, you're just scrambling to get all the assets in your favor, and you'll deal with the outcome afterwards because war is war, and you have to win. And then, and then what you end up with is this weird sense of the Arabs were like, well, we were promised there would be Arab nation states throughout the entire Middle East. You didn't say anything about a piece missing. And if we see the Jews as a religion, a religious group that we tend to rule, and not an ethno-national Semitic group that also shares space with us in the Middle East, then they will be against the rise of a self-determined Jewish state.
2: So then are we overplaying the significance of the Balfour?
1: How do you define overplayed? <laughs> I know,
0: I hate, I hate those overplayed, underplayed. Like, I don't know. On the, over, on no, the
2: ask Matt. What do you think? Are we overplaying signi- it?
0: Well, can I just say, uh, I don't believe in a significometer.
2: Okay. <laughs> Great. So we're Awesome. Done. <laughs> no, we're all going to
0: take note of it. We're all going to pay attention to it. It was a, a major historical moment. It's remembered. It's funny. Certain things in history, like I was talking to, uh, uh, now he goes by Aryeh Olivni, uh, the, uh, the head of the East Israel f- Film Project, yeah. interviewing people who were involved in 48. And he told me that when he interviews People who were here in Israel in '48, they don't really remember the Declaration of Independence of the State of Israel. Yeah,
2: nobody does. They remember it. That wasn't the
0: moment that everybody remembers where they were, what they were doing. Because uh, they were getting ready. They were in the middle of a civil war, and they were getting ready for an invasion of six armies. So it was not a significant event. But all sticks in their memory that they remember where they were, what they were doing, was the UN vote of 1929, which said... Palestine would have
2: a Jewish state, so you have a mix. I so actually have a story about that. We have an old family from our, the previous place we lived in Beit Meir They were founders of Beit Meir but they were uh, to, they, they adopted mostly my wife and I. Kind of long for the ride, you know. They came here in the in the '30s, both running away from Germany with the whole stories. Declaration of Independence. They're fighting for the Haganah, the husband and wife. They're married already, but they're fighting for the Haganah. And some, some, you know, something or other up north. Two, three days after the declaration, some you know somebody drives up with some supplies. Oh, by the way, the state was declared. Put out your flags,
0: right?
2: <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, we don't have a flag. And the guy leaves. So it's like, well, what's what the flag? Because right. they know sort of what the flag was. Because the, the wasn't the name of
0: the state. Is. Right? They
2: didn't know the name of the state. Right. And, they, and the flag was the, there was a flag of the Zionist movement, but they don't know a flag of the state. But they took. She took. They, they took like diapers. And they used to diapers used to come round in like blue cloth, and they made a flag out of the diapers. Clue. they still have it today. It's awesome. Wow! And they hang it out every. Their kids now hanging out every Yom, our Yom, 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 Yom They had memory,
0: no clue. story, we celebrate Yom Absolutely, It's the big day. Yeah. So it's very hard when you talk about significance. There's historical memory, and then there's actual impact of the day. Every street, every city in Israel has a November 29th street, which is a bizarre name for a street. Right. <laughs> I live at 13 November 29. But
2: oh, your street is Kavtep in November? No, I'm just joking. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I was so oh, no, excited.
0: Why I think it's such a strange name? No, I live on. Of N- course,
2: street. kids from last, from years past, who've been Bat Yam when they were in Bat Yam, there was always an apartment or two on Kavtep in November Street, 29th Ninth of November Street. It's a, a it funny right?
0: name for a street, but it's 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 sort of it's. It's given cultural significance as a touchstone without actually having a oh, real right. memory impact. Right. Because
2: there are moments. What are these moments? And I think that that's what Belfort is. And I think that's what we can call it significant. Because there's a moment that sum up a period. Oh, the kufah, right? They sum up a period, so it sums up all the struggle and the work and uh, what the Zionist movement was doing up until then. It even sums up that stuff that the practical Zionists were doing, yeah. (laughs) Because all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is an accomplishment. We can kind of wave the flag. We can take up this letter and say that there was this country that was the strongest country in the world, and they recognized the largest empires in the history of the world, correct? And we uh, and they recognized all their allies and all their allies recognize that that the Jews have a legitimate claim to self-determination.
0: It's sort of planting a flag at the achievement of the Zionist movement before it goes into conflict. Right. There isn't significant counter pushing against the Zionist movement before the Balfour Declaration. It's as a result of that. That's where the turning point begins.
2: By the way, we can even see that in the Arab in the Arab reaction and the Jewish movements in the in 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 Israel, for, for instance, right? The first Jewish defense force is founded in 1909, called the Shomer. But essentially, what is the Shomer is doing? They're, they're stopping break-ins. They're, and... they're like policemen. Yeah. They're stopping break-ins. They're stopping people from stealing stuff because it's like you know, right? 1917, you have Balfour. In 1920. And What
0: Bedouin raiders?
2: Bedouin raiders, exactly. In 1920, now you have actually nationalistic riots against what the Zionist movement essentially and the British kind of forces here, and that's when um, the the Zionist movement in Israel creates the Haganah, which is, which of course we will know become the IDF, which is all of a sudden now not only protecting against, um, you know. Marauders, and I always wanted to say that word, and I was and, to say and, and raiders, yeah. and, right, <laughs> and all that. Uh, but they're actually it's a, it's a defensive force to protect the nation in the in the Well, whole let's land. be
0: honest: the British and all their allies and all those nations did not take the indigenous Arab peoples into account when deciding what to do about Palestine and its self-determination. Right. Naively, I think I think naively assuming well. There's sure a lot of Arabs in the Middle East, but they're going to have plenty of space to have their own self-determined areas. Surely they won't mind. If anyone had thought about it thoroughly and not just lived with dissonance, (laughs) which I doubt. I assume people just hadn't thought it through. I have no idea that McMahon and Balfour – I doubt that McMahon and Balfour sat down and said, you know, I'm promising the whole thing to be Arab. And Balfour's like, well, I'm promising Palestine to the Jews. So how we get – that for sure never happened.
1: Well, they may have thought about it, but maybe they just didn't care.
0: I think if nobody's on the line to care, nobody cares. Like for me, for look, me,
2: look back. Go to the Kurds now, right? Right. right. Was happening in Iraq. Now the Kurds lost their, you know, right. the city would, in Iraq. America does nothing because it. You know, how is that know? a
0: coherent policy? If we believe in ethnic, yeah. national, self determination, why is the West abandoning the Kurds? There's I mean, nobody really thinking.
2: About oh, the they, they, ar- America armed them to fight ISIS. Right, they beat them, so they're done. I
0: think we do that all the time with the historical yeah. questions. Well, why did they decide? Well, I'll give you another example. Why didn't the Allies bomb the tracks? They could have bombed. Who thought of bombing the tracks? Because somebody wrote a letter to Roosevelt. That means that. Well,
2: that's a little bit. The Polish government in in exile actually, yeah, lobbied the government the to government. bomb the tracks.
0: And what what general in the but, army was thinking about? Hmm, I mean, I guess somebody.
2: No, they said it's not a it's not our war. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's, not war it's not a war goal. I, I, it's a not a war goal. It's not like I think. they said,
0: well, although I guess it would save Jewish lives, but I just don't believe people thought about I it. I think there's a
1: difference between not thinking about it and it not suiting them. And we've been talking about realpolitik this morning. And if it's not your realpolitik, if it doesn't help you,
0: then don't do it. I think psychologically, 100%. the things that don't suit us, we don't think about. And I think Jews do that about the Arabs. Uh, who live between the Jordan and the Mediterranean very often, we don't think about Palestinian Arabs because it doesn't suit us to.
1: But once we do, then we decide that the outcome of thinking about them doesn't suit us. Oh, if we somebody, do or we don't. We reckon with right, it. Right, but a- if somebody it is, presents it to you and says, okay, this is a dilemma, this is an issue, and then, you know what, if I have to do a certain course of action to help them, but that doesn't suit me, then I'm just going to ignore it and not do it. I
0: disagree with your formulation because the fact that the state of Israel on multiple occasions have offered them the West Bank and the Gaza Strip to make a state out of, to me, is an indication that...
1: Right, but you weren't talking... Initially, you weren't talking about the state of Israel. You were talking about Jews. I assumed you were talking Jews as individuals. The majority
0: of voters in the state of Israel supported governments. Okay, like so that,
1: that, that's, a, that's different, but I'm talking about when you talk to some of our students, for example. The students that we teach here in Israel... They they've never thought about it. Once you ask them to think about it, they're like, well that would mean we have to give up this or we're going to lose this and I'm not prepared to do that. Well I think, think I up.
0: think but that's what I think that the, the psychological mechanism by which we don't consider decisions that don't suit us is we ignore them. But once you which have to back. make them
1: then <laughs> once you have to make them then you have to confront it and then may choose in the case, again, we've been talking about real politics this morning, to choose to not make the decision because it suits you not to bomb the tracks.
0: By the way, not thinking or, about it is also has, uh, is a decision of moral consequence. I'm not saying that's a defense. Right. You understand.
2: But, and we see that not in the early Zionist... movement. tracks
0: m- has major moral, immoral consequences. Or
2: early early Zionist movement, really not thinking about...
0: See, that one's harder because what, even What's
2: happening here.
0: Because the Jews up until Balfour aren't thinking about Arab national movement. There is no Arab national movement. Now... Only Jabotinsky among the Zionists is saying, but there will be. Yeah,
2: is he in 1917? He certainly is in 1923 with his w- iron wall. Is he in, in Balfour 1917? I don't that's know. That's a good question.
0: Had he even before Balfour worried about it? I don't
2: know. That? I don't know. Because they're worried about building the land. You know, That's when they're for starting yeah. to form the labor battalions and stuff like that. I
0: don't think that this falls into that category of they didn't think about it because it didn't suit them. I don't think Herzl didn't think about Arab nationalism because it didn't suit him. I think he didn't think of Arab nationalism because there was no Arab nationalism.
2: Yeah, but there are Arabs. I mean, yeah, yeah. you uh, the problem becomes
0: the person, a real problem in the twenties, thirties, forties, for sure. Today. Yeah. For sure. But I don't know. In other words, when you're faced with a dilemma and you ignore one side because it doesn't suit you, that's a that's a that's a conscious or subconscious act of dissidence. When it doesn't occur to you because nobody's claiming it, it's just not an issue.
2: Do we want to do we want to touch on the uh, taking a sharp turn here? Do we want to touch on the uh, Mahmoud Abbas's threat last year to um, sue the British government over Balfour? What? And uh, <laughs> do we want to touch on that for a minute or two? You know
0: what you, you could you could it's it it is, is a, it is essentially the claim that the League of Nations did not ask for Arab representation in making the decision that the Jews should have a national home in Palestine. And therefore, the Balfour Declaration was a crime against indigenous Arab peoples. Now, I I, I think you could make that case. I think you would also have to make the case in response. But but
2: it's a little bit kind of like to say, make a case that a government says, oh, we recognize Jewish rights to a national home in a certain place. How can you, like... Well, the legal
0: consequence of suing them is really not the issue. The issue is gaining public support for the Palestinian national cause by... Right, obviously it's a good, a good propaganda By diminishing stuff, but, the Jewish right. cause as purely colonialist and not representing an actual ethno-national oh, claim. Right. Which Israel is. And really, it, really, Israel, really the is. the
2: second, it's an ethno-national claim.
0: It is an ethno-national claim. <laughs> I just claim. want to
2: make sure it really is. I just and sure by ignoring that,
0: you <laughs> have a problem. And the question is, and this is an ongoing question, which is very real, not only Israel, but now, you know, enforcing, the allowing the, the Kurds to be forced out of Kirkuk Right. with American weapons by right. Iraqi forces as the Kurds themselves got pushed out using American weapons.
2: Uh, the right, question uh, is... The, the Kurds came in using American is weapons. The, is, is,
0: are the self-determined ethno-national groups in the Middle East only allowed to be Arab? And there are other ethno-national groups in the Middle East. Now, Arabs are, seem to be claiming. We don't believe there. The, in order to be self-determined here, you have to be Arab. Right. And Israel and the Kurds are claiming that is not
2: the case and uh,
0: that 's essentially what look, and, 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 and what what Fatah and, and Abbas are pushing is this idea that Jews have no claim, and Balfour is simply a colonialist reach right. to allow people of a particular religion to take land
2: for the by the religions. way, let, should we just point out why it 's ridiculous? I mean people say well may, why isn 't it colonialist i mean for first of all.
0: Because the Jews are coming back as indigenous people, and
2: not only that, there weren't like British Jews didn't come as no. right as representatives of the British government to colonize. But
0: the Brits didn't right. come. I mean, they right. sent administrators and their families, Correct. but the Brits were not coming.
2: Correct. So thats although like
0: the, you, there could have been a colonial national or whatever, it's not that the British, British didn't take advantage. Of no.
2: Well, first of all, certainly they wanted control here because of the oil. I mean, that's. Uh, you know, it's, it's,
0: it's, all, you know. it's all so, so messy. But the, 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 to me, the key is, and it's something you mentioned earlier, that whatever the allies and the British agree on in Balfour, whatever the League of Nations agree on, and this – in, in recognizing the Jewish national right to its indigenous homeland is a recognition of that right. Right. It doesn't create that
2: right. Correct. That is, right. That's the key.
0: And it's also important to recognize that it creates it decades before the Holocaust. And when people say that the existence of Israel is dependent on the Holocaust, I really think that's wrong. In other words, the Holocaust is going to have a major impact on how it unfolds. But the pieces were moving and in play long before.
2: Right. All right. So let's, for last thing maybe, what are you going to do on November 2nd, 2017 to –
1: uh, remember Balfour. Walk down Balfour Street in Jerusalem, <laughs> eating a shawarma, drinking a beer. <laughs> uh,
0: I will have tea at four o'clock, and if I can find a crumpet, I will eat it. <laughs> you have to if be careful with
2: using it. that expression these days. Why is that? Crumpet? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's uh, It has a dual um, a dual meaning. Let's say. Oh, use a slang. Yes.
0: Fine, I'll okay.
1: have a scone. Much better. <laughs> okay. And a cucumber sandwich without the crusts. That's a oh, very pretty thing. Oh, okay. I like thing. those. Oh, very
2: nice.
0: That's very, very nice. nice for a while. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay, That's cool.
2: how I know it. I think I'd like to make a, a El Chaim to uh, to Balfour, Weitzman, Rothschild,
1: So-co-lo. and
2: Sokolov. Right? Maybe we
1: could find a pub in every one of those streets and do a pub crawl around the... Uh, the founders of the Declaration.
0: Oh, nice. I am so in. Oh, that's, oh that would be great.
1: Oh, the be Balfour great. Declaration Pub Crawl. This is all of your public in- invitation to join us.
2: We have to go yes. to all those state, all, all those streets. listeners. In Jerusalem, are we talking?
1: Sure. And we're looking for a designated driver, please, to join us.
2: Or a series of them.
0: Well, thank okay. you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. And uh, we hope you enjoy. Please recommend to other people. And... Don't forget to give us some stars on iTunes. It helps people notice. We would appreciate that. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. good day, This has been JU Israel, the Teacher's Lounge Podcast. Please check out our website, juisrael.jerusalemu.org, for episodes, blog posts, and contact information. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you use for podcasts. But you knew that, right? Uh, You can follow our Facebook page at The Teacher's Lounge Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Gap. Please keep in touch with us with questions, comments, feedback, and suggestions. And if you know somebody who would enjoy our podcast in general or an episode in particular, we love it when people recommend us. Thank you, guys.